Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. We'll be talking about growth tonight, and on that topic, if you feel like growth hacking my audience up a little bit, why don't you pop over to onenightinproduct.com and sign up to the mailing list or go to the podcast app of your choice, subscribe, and make sure you never miss another episode again. On tonight's episode, we'll go on a journey from small town Florida to standing astride the world of B2B SaaS marketing like a colossus. We'll talk about some of the ways my guest finds growth, some recommended techniques to test and learn with business models, and how they're aiming to take the world of e-commerce by storm with the hottest new app on Shopify. For all of this and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So, my guest tonight is Nicole Demery. Nicole's a B2B SaaS consultant, go-to-market strategist and product marketer. A passionate community and relationship builder and now the CMO of Review and founder of TAG, top 15 hunter at Product Hunt and moderator of a growth hacking community. Nicole used to work as an assistant to a private eye and is now donning their trench coat and fake moustache to seek out the best growth strategies for their own companies as well as mentoring others to do the same. Hi Nicole, how are you tonight? Hello, I am great. Thanks for that amazing intro. I actually do wish to see some kind of picture of you in a fake nose, glasses and uh, moustache at some point, please. I'll have to do that for Halloween. (laughs) So first things first, you are CMO for Review. Who are Review and what problem do they or does it solve? Uh, Yeah, so Review is an automated platform that finds, collects, and displays authentic user-generated video reviews for e-commerce businesses. And the problem that we solve is that shoppers leave the store website to search for video reviews elsewhere. And when they do that, they get exposed to competitors, potentially bad reviews. They have less time on site. They might close your store tab. So, you know, it, it's all about like getting them to spend that that more time on site and, and getting higher conversions, which leads to higher lifetime value. And we also help larger e-commerce stores, especially save a lot of time and effort with finding, collecting, moderating video reviews that they don't even know exist on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. And we automatically sync those video reviews with their product pages. And that takes seconds compared to hours and hours, days, months, however long it might take to add thousands of <laughs> video reviews <laughs> manually and and also to go through them. You know, we we, we find the, the best video reviews that are on YouTube and we'll eventually do that with Instagram and TikTok as well. Right. So walk me through this then. So I'm a, a shop. I'm on Shopify. I'm selling, I don't know, some boots or something like that. I then, what, install something from you, which then allows me to curate and bring in all of those videos about my boots from all of the different places where people are talking about boots. Is that kind of it? Or did I just get that completely wrong? So people will review your products on YouTube, for example, and then we find those videos and we rank them and we automatically sync them to the corresponding product page 
that the video matches with. And there's different ways to do this. You can have a floating widget, which doesn't require you to do any kind of embedding. Or you can have an inline widget in which you do have to go in and add one line of code to a Shopify template. And yes, we are on Shopify right now, but we will be expanding to all the other major e-commerce platforms this year. So by next year, we'll be on all of them. Excellent. I will keep my eye open. I, But I know what a CMO does in general, but what are you doing specifically for review right now? Right now, I am working on pre-launch initiatives, which entails finding language market fit, product market fit, you know, ensuring that we have product market fit, creating a community around review, networking with e-commerce stores, you know, major retail brands like Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, and networking with e-commerce agencies whether it's a a marketing agency or a web dev design agency, advertising agency, pretty much anybody that is serious about e-commerce and deeply involved in the field of e-com or direct-to-consumer. Right. So you said yourself looking to see if you have product market fit at the moment. So you're still pretty new in your journey, I guess. Do you feel that it's, it's all about that? validation and building awareness is that your main challenge at the moment well we already have a hundred stores that we have beta tested with so we're pretty sure we have product market fit we're seeing some (laughs) amazing results and so far those hundred stores signed up for an implemented review before we even did any kind of outreach or, or marketing activities so that was all organic that's excellent. So it seems like that's uh, done half your job for you. You must uh, you must be just sitting back lying in a, in a deck chair now, right? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside that, you're also the founder of TAG, uh, which has three Gs, but I'm hoping that I only have to pronounce one of them. <laughs> that's a meeting scheduling solution, which is, I believe, going into public beta this year. Now, is that more or less advanced? It sounds less advanced than review, as in in its kind of growth stage and taking it to market is that something that you're having to approach very differently or are you kind of trying to use the same techniques for both and the same sort of marketing principles well it's a completely different product tag is for b2b businesses that have back and forth when scheduling group meetings so we're helping to solve that problem of eliminating that back and forth and we're also eliminating having to deal with time zones because we use calendar overlays. Whereas review is more of a B2C kind of product where you have, you know, e-commerce stores with consumers buying products. And we're we're in pre-launch mode with both of them. We're not that far off from also going to an official launch with tag as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, it is B2C effectively when you're talking about people buying stuff off of sites, but I'm assuming that you're mainly pitching to the businesses that, that sell to this. Is it more of like a B2B2C type affair though with review or, or are you advertising directly at the consumers as well? Our, our ideal customers are e-commerce stores and we can work with small, medium enterprise e-commerce stores. It doesn't matter. Whereas what we our value to those e-com stores 
changes based on what stage they're in. The automated part of review and, and the AI and NLP and sentiment analysis is especially useful for the larger stores who, again, just can save hours and hours of time doing all of that work manually. Huh. This sounds really interesting, especially like the AI angle, which is presumably going to add at least 10 times to the valuation as well. <laughs> uh, aside from that, and before that, you've been SaaS consulting for quite a while, so something like 12 years. Some of that, I think, was with an agency called Interact, uh, but you also seem to have been doing or go branching out and going out on your own for some of that time as well. What sort of companies were you working with? I mean, you've, you're working with early stage startups at the moment, but has it always been early stage and growth stage companies or have you worked for big companies or a real mix or how's that shaken out? So I used to be the co-founder of Interact, which is a full service marketing agency. And we started out doing web dev and SEO and eventually went into SaaS. And we worked with companies of all stages, but I felt like I didn't really want to run an agency anymore. So I kind of went out on my own and I'm very passionate about language market fit and community building and engagement and growth and business models and value proposition design and so on. So I kind of just over time started working with early stage B2B SaaS companies because that's where you're going to get in the trenches with who is your ideal customer? How are they speaking? How do we get in front of them? How do we build those relationships and all that other kind of stuff that I'm really passionate about? Right. So you're, you're really looking to build that in from the ground floor and, and not have to worry about all the bureaucracy and all the entrenched behaviors in bigger companies. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Although I can work with companies at every stage, I actually thrive in the chaos of <laughs> the early stage startups. <laughs> Yeah, as, as someone once put it to me, uh, everything's on fire here, and that's okay, but only if you like it. Right, right, exactly. You're also a moderator on growthhackers.com. Now, that's a community of growth hackers, as the name suggests, but obviously growth hacking is, is very on trend at the moment, and it's something that I'm assuming that lots of startups and, and growing companies are going to be trying trying to do as much growth hacking as possible because they don't have the big budgets yet and, and so forth. But do you consider yourself a growth hacker yourself or is it something that you're just overall interested in being in that community and, and seeing seeing what they're coming up with? I used to not consider myself a growth hacker. However, Sean Ellis, who coined the term, referred to me as one. So I was very flattered. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do some strategies and tactics that I guess could go under the label of growth hacking. But also, there, you know, there. I, I don't need to get into this whole debate. It's a, it's been going on for a really long time. <laughs> what is growth hacking versus just marketing? But some of the things that I've found that are quote unquote growth hacky are anything that saves a lot of time, like web scraping. But again, that can still be considered marketing in general. So I don't refer to myself as a growth hacker. I, I more so say, you know, I'm a growth marketer, but I do get labeled quite often by other people as a growth hacker. <laughs> well, you know, you've got your public persona, but what are some of the growth hacks then or growth marketing tricks or 
or tips or tricks that you have tried and, and had a lot of success with? I mean, you mentioned web scraping then. I mean, is that a good technique for you or are there ones that have worked better than that? What are some of your big growth approaches that you've tried? Since I work with early stage companies, I like to test business ideas. And by that, what I mean is run a lot of experiments. So, you know, you, you form hypotheses and you kind of put them through the scientific process. You gather data, you interpret the data, and you make decisions based on what to do next based on the data that you've gathered. And that can be quantitative, qualitative data. You know, it's, it's ideal to ha- actually have both, but you really want to iterate quickly. And some of those tests may take longer than others. Some of them may require more resources, but you also really want to focus on validating the hypotheses that you have the least evidence for, but that would have the biggest impact on your company if they were either true or not true. So you've kind of got like a quadrant that you're looking at when you're prioritizing your hypotheses. And some people like to use the the ICE model to prioritize their experiments. But I like to look at, you know, what do we really, really need to know <laughs> more than, than anything else like that we don't know that could just make or break everything. So do you use any frameworks at all, or is it all very, as of the moment, depending on the situation in front of you, and you kind of make it, not make it up as you go along, but adapt to the situation? Right now, I like to use Strategizer's frameworks. They have an amazing book called Testing Business Ideas, and I've kind of turned it into a spreadsheet that I use. And in their book, though, they've got a lot of illustrations and they've also got software that you can use but even though I love them I find the software to be a little bit limiting so that's why I went ahead and created my own spreadsheet to work from and then I link to that spreadsheet from everything that I'm doing in Notion. Always comes back to spreadsheets or as uh, April Dunford would say you're you're always competing against Excel. Yeah you really are. But do you consider yourself very analytical as well? Do you do a lot of the number crunching yourself or is that something that you need to to farm out to someone else? How are your hard skills in in that area? I'm way more into qualitative data than quantitative data. However, I have had positions in which I spent all day every day working on analytics. So I know how to work with quantitative data. I'm just not as passionate about it as I am with having those conversations with people and getting to know them and understanding what emotions that they have around the product or the brand and how to truly connect with them in a way that we're bringing value to them and they become a, a brand ambassador or they, you know, a community member or they have word of mouth or whatever it may be like at the end of the day, it's really about like building genuine relationships for me. So while I do also enjoy the numbers, I really enjoy math and so on. I, I really like having conversations with people. Yeah. And obviously, it's a real central plank of product in general is you should always be having those conversations. And I don't think that people should look at qualitative data as lesser in any way. But obviously, it takes time. And sometimes it can be quite challenging to find the right types of people to talk to 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 validate that have you ever had to 
go with your gut at any point or are you always able to get that validation up front? It's a process. So you have your hypotheses and then you try to test them, but in ways that you are trying to avoid biases at the same time. So you're not just trying to interpret the data in such a way that it supports your hypotheses. <laughs> um, it, you know, you can also learn from quote unquote failures as well. All of it, either way that the data turns out, you still learn something. So data is important to gather whether or not it is supporting whether your solution is a good fit for the problem or not. Yeah, that's fair enough. It, it's all about not falling foul of analysis paralysis, I guess, and making sure that you make uh, your decisions in a timely fashion, especially when you're looking at really early startups as well, where I guess you've got a certain bias to action as well. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have a lot of focus. It's so easy, especially in the beginning, to want to do everything and anything and be a part of every channel. But you, you really need to focus on the one or two channels that you're finding that are working out well for you. And that's why we started with Shopify. We found that it's a really good growth lever for us. So we've been really focused on that before the other e-com platforms. Yeah, that's interesting because before this, we spoke briefly about some of your principles. And one of the things that you mentioned was around making sure that you're building a product that that really fits to a certain segment of the market and not trying to go too broad and appeal to everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. So have there been any examples of where you've either got that really right in your career or where you've maybe even got it really wrong and gone too broad too quickly that, that you could use as a cautionary tale? When I used to do SEO engineering, which I spent a really long time in SEO I also wanted to do CRO. I wanted to do UX, UI. Like I was trying <laughs> to offer way too much. I deeply wanted my clients to understand that SEO is just one channel and not all of your online marketing. And I completely overwhelmed myself all the time trying to do everything. And eventually I realized that focusing on one or two things has so much more of an impact than spreading yourself than over trying to do everything. And that took me a long time to learn. Just because you know something doesn't mean that you have to do it. <laughs> and yeah, that took a really long time for me to learn and actually implement. Because even when I realized it, it still took me a few years to say, okay, you know, I really need to get focused here and not feel like I have to prove that I know everything. Uh, absolutely. That's why. That's how I get away because I don't ever have to try and prove I know anything because everyone knows that I don't know anything at all. <laughs> I, you know, the more that you learn, the more you realize you don't know. So that could be true. <laughs> well, there's also the cliche, which I actually also believe is true, which is certainly from a product management perspective, you're never supposed to be the smartest person in the room. You're supposed to ask the best questions, right? Absolutely. Now, you're also, or you have been, a top 15 product hunter on Product Hunt. So you obviously live and breathe this stuff and you're really passionate about new products because otherwise you wouldn't be on there. What's one of the best products you've seen recently and, and how has it impressed you? So I'm really drawn to products that 
allow or enable you to be creative, whether that's for music or art or photography. I'm really into products for smart homes around lighting, like Philips Hue. And I'm into everything that has to do with Notion. So if somebody releases a template library or something like that for Notion, I'll definitely check it out. I don't really have an example to share right now of a product that I'm super impressed by at the moment because I don't have a whole lot of time to constantly check out products right now. But I did (laughs) come across one, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this. It's N-A-V-A-T-T-I-C, Novatic, I guess. And they create, according to their value proposition, interactive product demos. And I definitely do want to check that out because a lot of times you have static product demos, like a video or something, and you can't you can't actually interact with the product. So I find that pretty intriguing and think it could be super useful for SaaS for sure. Well, yeah, as I say, it feels like there's a bit of crossover potentially with some of the stuff you're doing as well. So maybe some partnership opportunities there as well. I'm also hoping that your passion for art does not extend or technology that enables art doesn't extend to NFTs. I haven't gotten into them. I <laughs> have seen a lot about them. I usually when when something like that kind of blows up, for some reason my brain kind of shuts off and like <laughs> I'm like that one person that doesn't really know what's going on and maybe I'll learn about it a few years later. I don't know. I just have this like natural reaction <laughs> to where I just I don't even process it that it's a thing. I just let it do its thing. I I don't know. Like I was like that with like iPads forever. People were always talking about iPads and I had to have friends explain them to me over and over because my brain just kept shutting off because like I don't get into whatever's blowing up at the time. I tend to like not be drawn into all that. And I tend to have just have again this natural reaction where I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, and that's how I've thought about Clubhouse too. I've had Clubhouse for a while. I haven't gone into a single room or presentation or anything yet. I don't believe it's something that's going to last. <sighs> and I try not to spend too much time on things that I don't believe are going to have like this long-term, not long-term impact, but more like are going to last long-term. Not that NFT won't. I'm sure that will probably be around. Um, it seems like people are are really, really going in that direction right now. And, and if you look at the predictions for things like e-commerce, even a lot of people are wanting to move to like cashless societies and so on. So I can see that enduring. But yeah, I don't know about Clubhouse. And I'm rambling. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I, I was just thinking while you were talking, actually, that if I were to describe to you as a as a marketer, someone who was really suspicious and a bit of a laggard when it comes to new technologies and things that they're not sure if they're going to work, they're going to be your worst nightmare to actually market to, right? So are you basically your own worst nightmare when it comes to marketing stuff? Or- <laughs> well, you know what? I'm cutting edge when it comes to strategies and tactics and ways of thinking and concepts and so on. But I don't always stay up on the latest trendy things when it comes to tech. (laughs) 
And I like that use of laggard. You must be reading Forrester all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I come from the old country. Uh, we, we use <laughs> words like that all the time. Right. But I'm, I'll be glad to unveil the NFT in this podcast episode after this uh, goes out. Awesome. Um, hey, if anybody wants to purchase this podcast episode with NFTs, just let us know. We probably have the technology between us to sort that out. <laughs> And do you ever try and get in touch with any of these founders uh, on Product Hunt and try and help them sort their marketing out if you think they're not doing a very good job or do you just kind of leave them to it? I I really don't do outreach to founders. They tend to write to me on LinkedIn or Facebook or fill out the form on my website to determine how we might collaborate but I do participate in communities. So if, if somebody, if a founder posts in like SaaS growth hacks, for example, what do you think about my onboarding or my language on my site or whatever, I tend to be helpful there and, and check out what are, whatever it is that they're sharing and, and give them a little bit, little bit of feedback. But I don't really do any out, outreach to them. But speaking of helping people out, you're also involved with Growth Mentor, where budding entrepreneurs can reach out to experts like yourself for advice. So how important is paying it forward to you and, and how much do you like to get involved in that? I love that. I feel like it's everything. I love collaborating. I love connecting with other people. And Growth Mentor is really special. It's a very highly vetted. It's highly vetted community. The founders talk to every single person who signs up to be a mentor and approves them manually. And they get to know them and mentors get to know each other. And I've met a lot of amazing people through there. And Dan Martell is cool. Clarity is cool. But like clarity.fm for example you don't get vetted you can just kind of sign up there you get reviews left for you but pretty much anybody can sign up on there whereas growth mentor you have to go through a process of approval and i think that makes it more of a close-knit community and uh, a more involved community oh excellent so obviously mentoring is not just a one-way thing have you yourself ever had any transformative mentors in the past that have helped you on the way up? So I wouldn't call him a mentor, but I've learned so much from Lincoln Murphy of 16 Ventures. He has an amazing blog, videos, he does sessions. Uh, he's a consultant in SaaS in general, and he has come up with a lot of the groundbreaking concepts that I have worked on implementing over the years. I just found his work to be just so spot on compared to everything else out there. And I would have great conversations with him about like his concepts. And yeah, he's just been deeply inspiring for me and like who I aspired to be like for a long time. He's fantastic. Oh, excellent. Uh, it sounds like he's uh, made an impact and we'll... Uh... We'll try and make sure that he gets a copy of this so that he can bask in the warm glow of your praise. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and speaking of then mentoring, if we do some live mentoring right now, although it won't be live by the time people hear this, 
What's one top piece of advice that you'd give to anyone wanting to break into SaaS marketing these days? Build genuine relationships. And a good place to start with that is Aaron Crawl's group on Facebook called SaaS Growth Hacks. It is amazing. It's very high quality. There isn't any spam on there. And people are genuinely helping each other out all day, every day. And everybody's really friendly, too. Um, There's great moderators in case somebody isn't. But I would definitely just start with getting to know people and reading their blogs and, you know, read blogs like 16 Ventures, Price Intelligently, uh, Reforge, Interact Blog. Just start with different resources and, and read as much as possible. You know, that's how I got into this. I don't didn't have any like formal training or education or anything in it. I just one day was like, I'm going to go into B2B SaaS now. <laughs> and I just picked up as much as I possibly could to read about all of it and got to know everybody and just started picking up consulting for it. And here I am now. (laughs) Well, that's interesting, actually, because one of the things we also spoke about before this call was how you grew up in a very small town in North Florida. Now, I grew up in a very small village in England as well, which I think maybe was marginally larger than your 100 population town, but but only, (laughs) only barely. I mean, we had like one shop and two pubs and then loads of fields. But how does someone then go from a very small, tight-knit community to having a world of B2B SaaS marketing at their feet? I never felt, even at a young age, that that's where I belonged. And like I, I just knew that I needed to go out and venture into the world and do something else. So I moved away as soon as I could to go to college and (laughs) actually experience the world. So I went to college in Tampa at University of South Florida and studied psychology there. And I did a little bit with psychology. Um, Like I did some cancer research. I worked in a robotics lab. But after that, I went right back into internet work. So this is just kind of you know, I, I started doing internet work when I was like 12 and with web design and kind of SEO back in like the 90s even. Um, I would figure out how to rank at the top of this search engine called Webcrawler. <laughs> I don't know that a lot of people ever <laughs> I remember heard of Webcrawler. That, but yeah, yeah. So um, I've just always been kind of passionate about this as soon as I had the internet and just have been following it. The, since then no i think it's great and it's really resonates with me as well again having come and grown up in a really small village as well like this whole idea that there's always something more and there's always something higher to to strive to so i can definitely uh, appreciate that absolutely and you know there's nothing wrong with a town of population 100 it can be quite <laughs> charming and you can have quite a community where there's a lot of support for each other but I do like to be kind of like in the middle of things like downtown and where there's a lot of concerts and <laughs> plays and musicals and things like that going on. Like we said, everything's on fire. It's all chaos. But you, <laughs> it's okay as long as you love it. Right. 
And where can people find you if they want to connect and have a chat about product marketing or growth hacking or any other stuff they've heard on this podcast episode tonight? I am very active on Twitter. I check LinkedIn every now and then. I'm on Facebook. I have a website. Omnichannel. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I get a lot of DMs and emails, though, so I'm not always the quickest at getting back to people. So I can't promise that I will respond right away, but I, I will try my best. We can always get people to write you a letter if it comes to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's move to snail mail. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's been a fantastic chat and obviously really interesting to hear about some of your background and experiences. I obviously wish you all the best for the battles to come. We'll hopefully stay in touch, but as for now, thanks for spending the time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. As ever, thanks for listening. I hope you found the conversation inspiring and insightful. If you did, again, I'd love it if you could pop over to onenightinproduct.com and sign up to the mailing list. Go to the podcast app of your choice subscribe and share widely with your friends on social media i'll be back soon with another inspiring guest but as for now thanks and good night <laughs>